Shalom, and welcome to another It's All About the Aliyah. Today, we're going to do a special edition regarding Veterans Day. And I'd like to introduce the program with this poem that's meant uh, a lot to me over the years. It's written by Charles Michael Province of the U.S. Army. It is the soldier, not the minister, who has given us freedom of religion. It is the soldier, not the reporter, who has given us freedom of the press. It is the soldier, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It is the soldier, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to protest. It is the soldier, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a fair trial. It is the soldier, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. And it is the soldier who salutes the flag, who serves beneath the flag, and whose coffin is draped by the flag, who allows the protester to burn the flag. I think we all can understand the importance of those statements in the day that we're living. And to help me to recognize Veterans Day and its uh, correlation with Israel and the Aliyah, I have a dear friend with me. He's the vice president of Ezra International. He's a veteran of the work in the Aliyah, but he's also a U.S. military vet. Would you please welcome Reverend Barry Wagner. Barry, good to see you. Hi, Gary. Good to see you again, as always. As always. Uh, I almost said my old friend, but I know that uh, might be touching. Thank you. <laughs> Not at all. That's I'm proud to be as old as I am. <laughs> it's really, really good to see you again. You know, you, um, you, you, were the, you were the one who took me on my first trip to Ukraine, and I'm just eternally grateful to uh -huh. all that that has meant over the years. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we got together here. Uh, first of all, I know, and, and anybody who knows you knows how much you love Israel and love the Jewish people. Absolutely. And also know that you love the United States of America and so much so that you volunteered in the, in the military. I'd like for you to share a little bit about the, the reasons why you felt strongly about that with our sure. audience. Sure. Sure. Well, I graduated from high school on June 7th, 1965. I don't know if you were born yet then, were you? <laughs> okay. And by, by July 19th, I found myself in basic training in San Antonio, Texas, just mm -hmm. a, a month and a half later. And I've asked, been asked many times, Gary, along the way, very why so soon? Or why did you volunteer? Uh, you weren't drafted, you volunteered, and why so soon after graduation? Well, the only way I could answer that was that my country was at war in Vietnam, and I felt like I had to do my part to serve my country during a very critical time in its history. So then on September 7th, 1966, my very first wedding anniversary date, Gary, <laughs> I received my orders from Vietnam. Wow. <laughs> so, so my, of course, Linda, you've known for you know, a lot of years as well. Uh -huh. She laid across the bed and cried all night. Oh, and happy anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my second anniversary, I was in Vietnam. So we were married three years before we could, uh, uh, before we could celebrate mm -hmm. a, uh, an anniversary. But I served this great nation proudly and honorably for four years. Because I realized, Gary, even at 19 years of age, when I volunteered, that this country had given me so much, even at 19. And I just wanted, to, in some way, 
repay the debt I felt I owed to this country. And I still feel that to this day. I, I can see that. I know that. I know that of you. And for you to realize that at such a young age, um, boy, that's rare. I wish we could see more of that in this generation. Gary, uh, you, know, you know, I've always had a fond appreciation for this country, but after being in Vietnam for a whole year and then returning to the state, I mean, that was the first time I was out, ever out of the country, except for Canada. And when I came back after a year in Vietnam and I looked around at what we have in this country and what I just left mm. after a year, uh, the, the love and the passion I have for this country was deepened even greater than what it was before I left. Wow, that's, that is so profound. And I, I think that's an experience that more people need to have. Uh, especially when you look at the protests in our streets these days, uh -huh. you know, yeah. the, the, the lack of appreciation for what this country has to offer, um, the freedoms that we have, the compassion that we have on, on nations that are less uh, fortunate. Um, you've seen it at firsthand, up close and personal, both in Vietnam and in your, your journeys into the Soviet Union and other countries, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I put it this way that, uh, the younger generations after ours, so many, so few of them have what I call any skin in the game. Mm. And this is one thing I appreciate about the uh, IDF in Israel, the, inter the uh, Israeli Defense Forces, is that everyone, male and female both, are required to serve in the military. Yeah. And I, I believe that's so important. It teaches leadership. It teaches uh, uh, how to respond to authority over you. It teaches camaraderie. It teaches you so much patriotism and all those things. And that's, to me, Gary, is what's missing in our society today mm. uh, with the younger generations. They, they, they just haven't paid the price for anything. Wow. Yeah, you know, you're, you're absolutely right in many cases, you know, and we don't wish that on anybody to have to fight for their country. No, uh, not at all. Fa face death in battle. Uh, but that does something uh, to you. And again, having to defend your freedoms, defend all that you have, uh, rather than have it just gi given to you. Um, as, yes. as the old saying goes, freedom isn't free. And, and you know that all too well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I come from a military family. My father, he served in the Navy in World War II. Uh, I have an uncle that served, God bless him. He served in, in uh, World War II and Korea. He just, mm -hmm. he just got discharged from the military, the Army, uh, after World War II. And 1951, he was drafted again for Korea. So he served in two wars. And I met one gentleman down in Claremont, Florida, on Veterans Day. Uh, Golden Corral would, is, always gives veterans a free meal. Okay. So we'd all show up with our Vietnam veterans hat or World War One. I. I saw one gentleman in line ahead of me, Gary, and his hat said World War II, Korea, Vietnam veteran. Oh, my goodness. Served in all three wars. He went in, in the, he went in in the 40s, and he got out in the 70s. Incredible. He served all three Now, that's... Yeah, that's incredible dedication. That is. Uh, with, with that note, let's uh, let's pause here, um, Barry. Um, sure. I'd like to I'd like to revisit that topic about the IDF uh, if if we can after the break. 
Um, and I, I, I want to share a story about uh, a, a, uh, an IDF soldier I know, and maybe uh, um, that'll, that'll uh, uh, kick off our conversation after the break. So, Sounds great. all right, we'll be right back. What if Abram didn't leave Ur of the Chaldees when God called him? What if Moses refused to go to the Pharaoh asking for Pharaoh to let his people go? What if Joshua had not led the children of Israel into the Promised Land? What if Cyrus did not issue his decree? What if Esther did not use her position with the king for such a time? What if Daniel did not pray in Daniel 9? What if Nehemiah did not rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? What if we don't respond to God's call to the Gentiles? You can be a part of God's prophecy being fulfilled today. Stand with Ezra International today before it's too late. Okay, we're back and we're talking to Reverend Barry Wagner, Vice President of Ezra International. And before the break, Barry, we were talking about uh, you know, U.S. vets and, and the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. You know, I have a good friend who lives in the Jordan Valley, and he uh, made Aliyah with his family many years ago. Um, he was from Romania, and his father said, we're going to Israel. And he was a teenager, and he said, what? You know, wh why would you want to do that? He didn't want to leave his friends and his country. Sure. And... Um, so he didn't have an appreciation at the time for going to Israel. But then, as you mentioned uh, in our first section, uh, all, the, all the youth serve in the IDF. And so he had to do his time. And he was doing a march from Gilgal to Jericho in the IDF. I call it his Gilgal to Jericho moment because he said it wasn't until then that he realized that his past, his present, and his future all just tied together when he was thinking about the history of, you know, Joshua coming across the, the, the Jordan River and doing that same march is when it all hit in his mind that here wow. he was to serve his nation and joining in the, the vast history, the rich history of Israel. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Gary, I, I really believe with all my heart that uh, the majority of the IDF soldiers, men and women both. I really believe that the majority of those men and women of the Israeli Defense Forces, they serve their nation for many of the same reasons that I did. Obligation, duty, honor, and really in their case, necessity. Oh yeah. And I can't stress that enough, necessity. And that necessity is for the safety and the security of their homeland, their promised land the land of Israel. And uh, they're, doing a, they're doing a wonderful job. Anytime I see an IDF soldier on the streets of uh, Jerusalem or Bat Yam or uh, wherever, uh, I'm reminded of uh, exactly what they're there for. And that is to keep Israel safe and secure as a homeland for our precious Jewish brothers and sisters. Yeah, they're in, they're in a very dangerous neighborhood. We know the promise of God, and we, we stand by that, we support that, but the, that promise has always come with their, their commitment to having to fight for yeah. the land. I mean, from the time they marched in with, with Joshua till today, 
they've been fighting to to keep that land. It is, yeah. it is and you're so you're absolutely right. Their their motivation is quite clear. And, and I'm reminded of a uh, quote from Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, when he said, uh, "He said if the Muslims lay down their weapons today, there'd be no more war. If the Jews lay down their weapons today, there'd be no more Israel." Mm. A truer statement has been made, and uh, they know that they realize that, and I believe that's why. These young people, when they do get out of the military, they have such a strong bond to the nation of Israel, uh, to their homeland, because, as I say, they got some skin in the game. Yeah, They paid a price. It wasn't just given to them. They paid a price for it and continue to pay a price. Yeah, every day. And, and as you said, uh, when you're traveling through the land, you see them at checkpoints, you see them uh, at bus stops, uh, walking the streets of Jerusalem or any other city in, in the land. And, and they're, 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 they're going about their lives as, as, as normal as you know, other uh, teenagers or young, uh, young individuals in any other country. But they're, here they are with their weapons strapped around them. They're, they're always, uh, they could be called upon at any second, and they know that. Any second, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we, we we just take our hats off to them. We salute them, uh, one veteran to another, for all they're doing, and uh, and, and all of our veterans. November eleventh, just a few days, we'll be honoring veterans in, in this nation. And uh, uh, anytime I see a, a veteran in a restaurant or wherever, especially being a veteran. Uh, like I am, uh, we wear our hats, Vietnam veteran. And the first thing I say to them, welcome home. Oh, welcome okay. home. Yeah. And it's something that has, uh, has been a part of our makeup from our time in service in Vietnam. Because you see, when we came home, Gary, in, uh, in those days, we weren't welcomed with ticker tape parades and, and uh, marching bands and all that. Many of our people were spit on in the airports and called baby killers and so on. So we welcome each other home. And it, it, it causes, you know, oh, Vietnam, welcome home. When were that, you there? When is, were you there? Yeah. And I'm, unfortunately, what I'm finding here, most of them I speak to and ask them that question, their date of service over there was after mine, <laughs> which really? makes me which makes me older. <laughs> and I tell them, well, maybe you went over to clean up the mess that I left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Barry, I you know welcome home, and I I thank you. I know that you're you're uh, you and the veterans of the Vietnam War were probably the least appreciated at the time than any other uh, soldiers during our our U.S. history, and that's that is uh, as a sad indictment at uh, the 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 zeitgeist of the country at the time. Um, and I hope that we've learned our lesson. Sadly, I think often we haven't, um, you know, when, well, uh, without getting too far into the weeds, I just, if, if, if I'm just saddened by what we saw recently in Afghanistan um, and oh. you know, the, the, the botched withdrawal. Um, if yeah. we appreciated our soldiers and, and, our, and our veterans more, I don't think that uh, would have happened. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think there is... Uh, a fond appreciation for uh, all of our veterans, 
for the most part. Again, it's a generational thing, I think, Gary. Don't you? Yes. Uh, because uh, almost anywhere I go, if I'm wearing my Vietnam veteran hat, I, I couldn't tell you how many people, as we're passing, thank you for your service. I just want to thank you for your service. And you know what blesses me as much as anything, hearing them say that? When they'll turn to my wife, Linda, we were married when I was in Vietnam. They say, ma'am, thank you for your service. That's good. That's right. Never, don't forget the, the spouses and the families who've also yeah. sacrificed for, for, uh, your, for the soldier service. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, Barry, Barry let's, uh, let's uh, stop here again because we're up against another break. Uh, we're going to take yeah. another commercial break, 60 seconds, and we'll be right back. What if Abram didn't leave Ur of the Chaldees when God called him? What if Moses refused to go to the Pharaoh asking for Pharaoh to let his people go? What if Joshua had not led the children of Israel into the Promised Land? What if Cyrus did not issue his decree? What if Esther did not use her position with the king for such a time? What if Daniel did not pray in Daniel 9? What if Nehemiah did not rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? What if we don't respond to God's call to the Gentiles? You can be a part of God's prophecy being fulfilled today. Stand with Ezra International today before it's too late. All right, we're back. Once again, we're talking to Reverend Barry Wagner. He's a vice president of Ezra International, uh, been working in the Aliyah for many years. Uh, we're talking about uh, veterans at the moment. Uh, we're going to try to tie that to, all together with the reasons why it's so important that, that Jewish people make Aliyah to Israel. Uh, one reason being, uh, come, you know, comes to mind a quote of a friend of mine, He's a pioneer of the community, Malay Lavona. And he said to me, Barry, um, he said, if I'm in the nations, they can come and kill me. Mm-hmm. But while I'm in Israel, they have to fight me. Mm-hmm. You know, the, ver- the, very rec- the day mm-hmm. we're recording this is an anniversary of Kristallnacht. And uh, we all know what happened to the Jewish people when they were left defenseless in, in uh, the 30s and the 40s. Um, so I know that you have an interesting take on this when you talk to the Olim uh, about their journey, the young Olim that they're gonna go to Israel. You wanna share, yeah. share that a little bit? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, I wanna say that uh, the, uh, the young people of uh, all these nations that we're working in, uh, one of the things I say to them is this, not only do you need Israel, but Israel needs you. Amen. And what I mean by that is they need to be there to defend their promised land, their homeland. So uh, I try to encourage them in that way that uh, here you have an opportunity to go to the land, become a part of it, become an integral part of it, and, uh, and serve it. And serve it very well, and uh, and they do, and 
I think that's the only reason that Israel continues to be a free nation today is because of their willingness to do it. And it is required, obviously, but they didn't have to come from Ukraine and Russia and Siberia. They didn't. And nobody twisted their arms to do that. Right. Uh, they chose to do that on their own. And uh, and they, so they, they're they doing their share. And I, I thank God for each and every one of them. And, and that's why I say, Gary, and you alluded to it just a second ago, uh, I believe with all my heart that the only safe place for a Jew is in the land of the Jews. Mm -hmm. I really do, because with anti-Semitism sweeping the globe as it is, right here in America, right here in America. I, I wish, I, you know, I thought we would never really have to say that in our lifetime, Barry, but it's so true. Um, we're witnessing yeah. it here at home. Uh, we're witnessing it all over the world. And it, 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 that is one, one of the things that motivates us, doesn't it? That we want to get Jewish people out of harm's way. Now, yeah. some might say, well, you know, Israel is, is always defending itself. But yes, that's the point. They can defend themselves. But mm -hmm. when you're walking down the streets in France or whatever country that you might be coming from with a kippah on, and you're attacked yeah. from behind just because you're a, a Jew, a Jew uh, you know, there's, there's, it's very difficult to defend yourself. And there is no anti-Semitism per se in, in Israel. You have hatred around, uh, all around yeah. them and, and coming from maybe uh, the, 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 those who belong to Hamas or Hezbollah, mm -hmm. you know, the, the so-called Palestinians. Mm -hmm. um, that is, is real. But you, if you're in a Jewish nation, you don't have to worry about being Jewish. Exactly. You, can you can celebrate Shabbat. You can, you can celebrate the other feasts. You can wear a kippah. You can wear you know, your, your tzitzit uh, down the streets without fear. Live out your life with dignity. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can give you a quick example of anti-Semitism, even in the church, Gary. Mm. Uh, I, I was speaking in a rather large church in the state of Texas, and thank God for Texas. They've been so good to Ezra International over the years. But after my message, I went back to my book table in the foyer, and this big, tall Texan came back there. He was the bass guitar player in the worship team, actually. Mm. And he came back to me, and he said, Reverend Wagner, and this is the tone of voice he used, he said, you insulted me through your entire message. Mm. I said, how did I do that? He said, because you kept calling, and this is the tone he used, you kept calling the Jewish people God's chosen people. Mm. I looked at him with love in my heart and fire in my belly. And I said, my brother, you, didn't have a, you don't have a problem with me. You got a problem with God. Yeah. You don't have a problem with me. You got a problem with God's word. Because throughout God's word, the Jewish people are called his chosen people. And I'm quick to add, does that mean God loves the Jew more than the Christian? Oh, absolutely not, because that same book tells me he's not a respecter of persons. That's right. But right there, right there in the church, a, a charismatic Pentecostal church, he was furious because I was calling the Jews God's chosen people. But I can give you many examples. Oh, I'm sure you could, and I've heard them myself. Uh, one, yeah. one of the one that I heard in two different settings that sent chills up my, my spine was, uh, you know, what, what is all this Jew stuff? You know, you could just hear, you could just hear the, the hatred boiling up and that comes from a dark place. And it's, 
and you know that the the history of the Christian Church is is mm. littered with those dark places of, you know, the the Crusades, the Inquisition, and and even the Holocaust had its roots in uh, anti-Semitism of the Church. Absolutely, yeah, 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 and, and that's what I, I I continue to uh, tell people in. in uh, sermons that I deliver on, on behalf of Ezra, that uh, when God showed me that he wanted to use the Gentiles, Isaiah 49, 22, so the Solomon says, he will beckon unto the Gentiles. Uh, I screamed at God, Gary. Mm. I screamed at God. I said, God, why us? Right. It's not that I didn't want to give up my church and the, the, the beautiful parsonage and all the things that went with being a pastor. I had nothing to do with it. Because I realize when so many Jews hear the word Jesus, or hear or see a cross, or hear the word Christian, they don't think of love and compassion. Mm-hmm. They don't think of grace and mercy. They think of the Spanish, the Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades, ten sixty nine, when they started the, the, the Spanish Inquisition, the uh, uh, the Holocaust, right. Uh, all of those things. That's what they think of. That is what comes to mind. I and and rightly so because even though we may say, well, they weren't truly Christians, but it's the only Christianity that these Jewish people knew. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, you know, you know, you've heard this said from our representatives that often the uh, the Yolim, the Jewish people that we're ministering to, will tell us that you're the first Christians to ever show us kindness. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. What a sad indictment on the church that is. It really is. And uh, for us to be able to go into their apartments and uh, hold them in our arms and just, I, I put it this way in, in my book, uh, I said, you know, they cry tears down my back and I cry tears down their back. And then I'm reminded, I'm reminded what Jesus said. And you've done it, as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Amen. And that's what we're doing. We're showing them the unconditional love that uh, can only come from from Messiah. Amen. Amen. And I think we'll probably have to leave it right there, Barry. The time goes by so fast. I know. But sure. uh, you mentioned your book, and and still they oh. come. Uh, yes. If anybody wants to purchase that book, it can go, they can go to our website, EzraInternational.org. And learn more about Barry's journey in, uh, you know, to to the Aliyah and through the Aliyah. Barry, you've been doing this a long time, and I thank you for your dedication and your love for the Jewish people and uh-huh. for everything that you do. Well, and you, Gary, twenty-three years and <laughs> still going. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Barry. Thank All you, right. Gary. Well, we're we're out of time, unfortunately. Uh, it, it goes fast. But uh, I'm hoping to have Barry Wagner back with us again on future episodes. So come back and see us soon. God bless you. Shalom.